0: What's up coaches, Uh, really excited for this week, 4th of July, hopefully you guys enjoy that with your families, you go out there and shoot off a bunch of fireworks for America, Uh, I know we're really excited. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication, offering cutting edge technology and innovation. Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. From NFL-level coaching communications to cutting-edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of any program. Throughout the expansion of the product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. Family owned and operated with a customer first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. You can visit them at sidelinepower.com by email at info@sidelinepower.com, or just give them a call at 800-496-4290. This episode is also brought to you by Team Attack Academy. Team Attack Academy is an online football development site for football players and coaches of all levels. Again, at Broken Arrow, our offensive line uses this, and it's a tremendous help to keep our guys uh, from being up at football all the time. They get to, I get to communicate with them. They get to see their playbooks uh, from their house, on their tablets, on their laptops, on their phones. It's the most powerful teaching tool introduced into the game today to raise the level of playing and coaching football. After using Team Attack Academy, your athletes and coaches will outplay, outwork, and outsmart their opponents guaranteed. Visit Team Attack Academy at TeamAttackAcademy.com. And then, last but certainly not least, is Coach Tube. As you guys have heard, I've got a uh, weak power course up there that you guys can check out. There's also a lot of other really good courses, uh, you know, such as Coach Ma- uh, Gus Malzon went through his entire spread no huddle offense. Um, some of our former guests, like Slade Singleton with the Rule of Four, uh, unlocking the air raid offense. Coach Mackey has his pin and pull RPO ebook that's out there on Coach Tube. And then a couple of our um, future guests, with Coach Vilarvic, his scorched earth offense, and then Coach Christensen um, of Arizona, Arizona's uh, Arizona State's offensive line coach. Um, and it's his entire offensive line system. So make sure you guys go over to Coach Tube and check out those courses. On this episode of RTP, we talk with J.J. Iverson. Coach Iverson is our first guest living outside the contiguous United States. Hawk, as Coach Walls calls him, is an NFA-certified coach training quarterbacks in Anchorage, Alaska. Listen as we talk with Coach Iverson about coaching at the high school level and training quarterbacks in Alaska, how important footwork is for quarterback development, and my favorite part about a new strange animal called the muskox. You can follow Coach Iverson on Twitter at CoachJJ underscore NFA. Hope you guys enjoy.
1: It's, it sounds really good now. We're just, we're just making sure we don't get any polar bears on the background or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're,
2: uh, they're starting to uh, come toward us. You know, The ice caps melting. and there's nowhere to go with towards the people.
1: <laughs> you got, you, you're got probably out there throwing, throwing feed their way, man. Quit throwing stakes oh, outside your, side you your do,
2: house. When we do uh, pocket movement, dude, we just cut the moose and the white dogs and the polar bears loose. And we, we run a little faster when that happens.
0: I was about to say, you got a, a phone charger on the uh, dog sled? <laughs> well, not me. I don't make enough money.
1: I just a phone on Well, Hawk, man, it's good to have man. you on. We're, we're talking with uh, J.J. Iverson. J.J. has been uh, one of my good buddies for a long time. We uh, we went to high school together up in uh, South Dakota. He's a year younger than me. So uh went to college together in Nebraska. So we're both Husker fans. Um, J.J., I'm going to let you kind of tell well, – your your side of the story there, man, uh, kind of how you got into coaching. I know you're, you're doing some stuff with, with uh, some private business, private quarterback school, but uh, you're in a pretty interesting neck of the, the country. I know uh, Coach Harper and I are giving you some crap about Alaska, but uh, it's a pretty cool story you got about how you kind of got up there and, and how you got started. So I'll let you go, man.
2: All right. Well, uh, getting into the coaching world was, was something I didn't anticipate. I, I, I knew I was going to be in education. Uh, just cause I liked the whole idea of summers off and living in a place like Alaska and, and doing all the, the outdoorsy stuff, whitewater rafting, hiking, uh, fat back biking, all that stuff. So that was kind of the, <clears throat> the big picture, but what got me into coaching was when I got done playing at the University of Sioux Falls under, uh, Bob Young and coach Kalen DeBoer and my, my two coaches, uh, I still had to student teach and they needed a little help, uh, you know, with spring ball, and, and I was always more
1: a cerebral player
2: than a physical <laughs> player. So, uh, is
1: that saying you weren't coach very athletic, rock?
2: <laughs> I mean, I could run a little bit, but, you know, I wasn't the most imposing figure out there. So, I, I had to earn every little bit of playing time I got. Uh, so, yeah, so Coach DeBoer approached me uh, his first year as the head coach. And by the way, he's now the OC at Fresno State, which is which is kind of on the rise with Coach Tedford. And uh, he said, hey, we need some help. I'll, I'll, you know, renew part of your scholarship if you come help us and, and kind of be a, a, a student, if you will, because I wasn't quite graduated yet. And uh, I said, yeah, if you think I can handle it. You know, that was pretty uh, pretty nice and to throw the offer my way. And I just took it and ran with it. And I really fell in love with, the, you know, the strategy and the X's and O's and all the techniques for, for each position, mainly on offense, though I never – touch the defense so uh that's where I really got the bug and then when I moved up to Alaska I was substitute teaching uh so I got to see all the schools and uh I really like this school where I'm at right now I'm still there West Anchorage High School so we uh had a new head coach and so that was kind of easy for him to to find me in the school and uh he hired me as his wide receivers coach and kind of just grew from there. I'm now the passing game coordinator, quarterback coach at West Anchorage High School. And I also do the National Football Academies. I'm a certified coach. Uh, I'm the only one up here in Alaska. So been running with that as well. And we've produced some pretty good kids that are mainly in the JUCO system in California. Uh, But we're kind of all over the U.S. now, mainly in the Midwest and and the California JUCOs, though. So that's kind of my coaching story in a nutshell right there.
1: JJ, I was going to say, you know, uh, you getting into to doing some of the QB receiver training, things like that, was that something, you know, obviously it, it was probably a need up there in Alaska. You're still kind of the only, you know, <laughs> NFA certified coach or whatever, the guy that's kind of running it. Was, was it something that there's, you know, a lot of kids maybe dying for more, or was it just kind of something you kind of had to build organically, started with a couple of dudes and all of a sudden now it's grown because you got quite a, guys, quite a few guys going up there now.
2: Yeah, I think how it all got started was we had a really uh, dedicated kid that was at West where I coached, and his father was always looking for the best type of training uh, that he could provide for his son, and uh, he kind of tapped into NFA. You know, he Googled it, and NFA kept getting his rave reviews, so he talked. uh, J.C. Boyce, who's one of the kind of the Mount Rushmore guys of NFA along with Darren Slack uh Will Hewlett and Doug Maddox are kind of the ones that I think of when I think of NFA. And JC Boyce came up to Alaska and you know out of the sheer begging of this father and, and he kind of recognized what I already knew that there was really good talent, hardworking kids that were coachable up here. And uh he said, Hey man, you know, if you help me with this and you like it, you can maybe create this into a you know, a nice little following, a nice little uh chunk of change on the side. So you know, if it wasn't for Coach DeBoer and Coach Boyce, you know, kind of giving me some confidence that I could, you know, take this and, and build it, I probably would have just, you know, been a normal assistant coach up here. But uh, it's, it's the system works. Uh, everything they've done has, has really allowed these kids to flourish and play at a high level. So, yeah, that's kind of how it all started. Uh, just people saying that, hey, I think you're good enough to do it. And, you know, usually when I get a job, I, I, I like to take it and uh, you know, be the best they can at it and and these kids, you know, really really took hold of it and ran with it themselves.
0: Coach, you talked about, you know, like you said, maybe not being the most gifted athlete in the world, uh, having to fight for, for every minute of playing time that you got. And I've always said, um, you know, to everyone I, I talk to and, and a lot on the podcast now, but um that, that those guys seem to be make the best coaches and are always, and there there's some good freak athletes that are great coaches too, but Seems like those guys make the really good coaches because they've really got to look at what they're doing, everything that they do, every little bit, because they've got to optimize themselves to be able to play. Have you noticed that uh, now going into the coaching realm that a lot of that stuff helped you out? Some of the little things that now you can kind of impart on some of these guys that are maybe a little more athletic.
2: Yeah, I, I totally you, think you're right there, coach. Uh, you know, when you when you're not given, you know, all the size and strength. And instincts, Uh, you know, you got to compensate somewhere. And for me, it was just being kind of a Swiss Army knife. You know, I I learned every wide receiver position when I played in college, just so I had a better chance getting out there. Uh, I never missed any weight sessions. Uh, I mean, I scribbled my name in there and left right away. I'm not saying any of that, but uh, to check in. (laughs) But I was there for everything. And I I liked, and I and if I wasn't watching football or practicing it or video gaming or you know, looking stuff up on YouTube, uh, you know, that's kind of kind of the route I took. And I think you're right. The, the coaches that usually seem to have the most impact are the ones that were kind of scrapping for everything that they got and and just kind of studying all the time and, and asking questions and always looking where the nearest clinic was. So I try and, you know, bestow lot upon my guys and, and let them know that, hey, you might not be the biggest, strongest. Smartest, whatever. But uh, like I said earlier, you can compensate in other
1: ways, Coach. I I think uh, that's that's so true. And I think that the the most telling thing about you is, you know, all the guys that you have coached, you, you've always had a really good relationship with those guys. I see you you know, on social media on on Instagram or whatever it might be. You take a lot of trips from Alaska to go visit these guys that are playing in college, and you know these these guys all love having oh man coach Iverson stopped by and came out to visit me flew all the way from from Anchorage to see me and those guys have that connection with you because I think you you are so good about being able to show them hey man you know here's how you got to be able to work here's the relationships you got to have you know talk a little bit about building that relationship with kids I think that's something you do really really well
2: yeah I mean I don't do it for the paycheck I don't do it for the notoriety I'm not a polo coach so I can walk around and say I coach but uh it's definitely the relationship thing uh you know you you can't help but fall in love with these kids that that make you look good as a coach by their performance and uh I always promise my kids you know if you go to a four-year school and and you grind it and make it to that fourth year where you're going to play and graduate I'll definitely come watch them and I'm not saying that's what gets them through, (laughs) but I think it is a little bit of a carrot thing around in front of them. Uh, I know I really enjoy uh, booking the trips, no matter how long the flight is or how much it costs to stay in hotels and drive or whatever. Uh, But yeah, you know, the kids that end up that I end up visiting are are definitely, I guess you would call, you know, my favorite players, Uh, simply because they work hard. They they kind of are like me, you know, they know, how to grind. They, they study, uh, they know that football is not about just winning and trying to get to the NFL. Um, so yeah, those kids that I go visit and, and stay in contact with and send letters to and text and mention in my social media are definitely kids that I've trusted in the past with what we do on off that offense on offense at West high school. And, and it's just, you know, it's cool. That's the payback as a coach, right. Is, is the relationships and, and things like, uh, you know, getting a surprise text message from them, then wanting to take a picture with you when you see them. So, yeah, it, it's special to me. You know, being 38 and single, these kids are—I don't want to say they're <laughs> like my sons. I'd rather say little brothers, but <laughs> I don't want
1: to sound too old. You're getting up there, man. So am I. We're we're both in the same boat um i know we got we got to plan a 40th birthday party or something (laughs) oh dude don't don't say that it's just going to keep reminding me because i know that day's coming i'm not looking forward to it (laughs) the old dude yeah hang in there Hang in there (laughs) well hawk talk a little bit about you know some of the the football up in alaska because I, i know a lot of people obviously have never been up there um they've probably never seen any of the games up there but there's a ton of really good football players. And, uh, and at the same time, you know, it's, it's been an untapped resource because, you know, maybe they're not, they don't have the, the, the best coaching methods, whatever it may be. So I think it's, it's, it's something that you can kind of promote because seriously, dude, it's, it's, it's really, really good football with a ton of good athletes.
2: Yeah. I guess when I first moved here, I was super excited to see what Alaska football was all about. And, and I, uh, Waited for kind of a big game that was being mentioned in the on the radio and in the newspapers. And when I went to it, I, the first thing that struck me was just the sheer size of the of the athletes out there. We have a huge uh, uh, melting pot up here, uh, and most people consider Alaska hockey state, which is true. Uh, but like I said, there's it's a melting pot of, of different ethnicities, and and the, most of the football players up here are Polynesian on our team, as well as a few others around town. And they're just big, strong athletes that have that warrior mentality that, that love the game. And, and it's, a, it's a real pride thing for them and their families. So that was the first thing that shocked me. And then the fact that, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people consider Alaska a place where you can't throw the ball. Well, there was a couple teams up here that were, you know, experimenting with the spread, you know, in the um, 2008, 2009, 2010 were the games I was attending. And that was when, like, Oregon was, was really killing it everyone was trying to incorporate that style of offense into their systems a little bit. And, uh, I was like, man, it, it, you know, when I get my job, I can't wait to get my hands on these kids and, and, and see if, you know, my game plans when they come to life, if they work. And, uh, sure enough, you know, it took a little bit of, uh, experimentation and, and, and kind of catering our offense to, to what kids we had. But, uh, the football, uh, I would like to think has has been a little bit more uh, exciting to watch, you know. It, when I first got here, there was a few teams that passed, but mainly it was a lot of, you know, running, probably like when we played in high school, uh, you know, and, and throw out of desperation. But uh, nowadays, uh, it's it's a variety of offensive systems. Uh, I think, of course, ours is probably the the best when it comes to passing, not because we do it the most, but because we're we're pretty efficient at it, and we we definitely tailor it to the the type of kids we got on the perimeter, and the kid that's uh, pulling the trigger. So, uh, yeah, I think Alaska has definitely, you know, been an untapped resource, like you said. Uh, and we're probably most famous for for uh, linemen and linebacker types that come out of here. But uh, lately, there's been some kids that uh, are wide receivers and quarterbacks that, that are kind of really making a splash out there in in small-time college football at the junior college level.
0: Well, I I didn't even think about that, but I would assume – is that because the weather that there were so many teams that were, um, you know, run heavy teams, is it because it was – because of the weather in Alaska? Is is that the reason?
2: Yeah, I mean, our seasons I mean, they they try to make it so that we don't ever run into those, uh, you know, heavy snow games uh, toward the playoffs. Um, our our season usually ends around Halloween, and it usually starts around my birthday, which is like mid July. Oh wow! Um, yeah, yeah. So we get like three games under our belt all the time uh, before you know the game starting lower forty eight. And our, it's kind of funny because our kids, you know, hey man, I'm the leading pass catcher on max Prep. Well, yeah, you got three games <laughs> under your belt, you know. <laughs> so, Count it. I should send you, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, and I get to see coach coaches, so hell yeah, let's party it up. That's right. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess a lot of teams were wing T, uh, and I, I'm i I'm not dog on the wing T at all. As a matter of fact, we lost a wing T team in the state championship this year, um, but I think they, a lot of teams gravitated toward that because it was a little bit easier to install. You know, there's not a whole lot of timing. I mean, there is timing involved, but I think it's harder to instill the correct timing when throwing the ball than when maybe taking steps for an O-lineman for an when running the ball. And you guys might disagree. You guys are running the power. But uh, <laughs> I think for us, it, uh, we've learned that, you know, it takes a lot of time to really fine tune the passing game, especially, you know, throwing a quick game. And, when you're throwing things on the last step of your drop, it's, it's, a, it's a repetition thing, just like anything else. But I think it's just a little bit harder when, when the ball leaves the hand and touches another person's hand. So,
0: Well, is that something that it seemed like a bunch of coaches or a bunch of coaches in that region needed to catch up with? Because I'm sure once you guys came in and, and one of the only teams that were doing that, I'm sure it was um, a little bit of a shock to the system. I remember kind of when that started happening in Oklahoma, especially at some of the smaller schools, You know, coaches had never seen some of these offenses, and it was a a complete new thing that they weren't ready for, still running some of the old, not antiquated defenses, but defenses that were um, designed to stop the run, to stop 21 personnel, to stop, uh, like you said, wing T. Right.
2: Yeah, I guess – I mean, for us, we we try and play – so I guess I should explain a little bit of our offense. So we're Tony Franklin, you know.
0: Right. Uh,
2: He's the middle Tennessee guy. And we just put R four on top of that. And that's kind of how we run things. And uh, I think what what made us really good initially is that we want to run as many plays as possible. You know, we want to get out there and and not, you know, right after the ball's set in place, we want to be off and running. And uh, I think that more than the type of offense is what kind of shocked people. They weren't allowed to sub and and bring in defensive personnel that they would put in situations normally. And uh, I think that was really what kind of shocked people. And then, you know, every year we tried to implement something new. You know, we went to the bands one year rather than hand signal stuff. Uh, Another year we – we like so this year we're going to implement a little bit of motion, which kind of – slows you down a little bit but we think we can get better leverage angles and and, and one-on-one matchups by uh, by doing that uh so i we kind of work within the parameters of, of the tony franklin system but we incorporate the, the r4 stuff just because we feel it's the the best way to connect with our quarterbacks it just seems like it, things click a little quicker when when they have uh you know the rhythm read rush release philosophy
1: yeah, it definitely makes things, I think, a lot easier, especially at the, the high school level. let lets them define things a little bit better, and I think it, it matches up, you know, uh, routes with the quarterbacks, drops. It just kind of puts everybody on the same page. Hawk, I wanted to ask yeah, you about – Yeah, Go ahead, Hawk. Go ahead. So I was just saying, yeah, tying the eyes of the
2: feet and, and, and explaining what route side space is and how to win it, uh, you know, those things I think were probably never spoken of prior to to my head coach and our staff uh talking like that and and the way we found out about it that we have these these big what we call all alaska camps and you know you kind of get a a sneak peek at what people are going to do uh prior to the season and uh we just realized man we want to run a lot of plays but you know these scrimmage referees are really slowing us down, and so is the <laughs> the coaches on the field that are trying to coach their defense. So we knew right away we were we were tapping into something really special, and and um, it's really shown over the years that you know when you're going to play West, it's going to be you know you better buckle up because we're going to drive fast. You know.
1: So I was going to ask you about. I mean, you know, w- with all the teams up there playing, you know, wing T playing some of these these different offenses that's got to kind of help you as far as, you know, being able to to train QBs and receivers because let's be honest, if you're you're running a wing T system, you're you're probably not maximizing the uh the skill kids ability to, you know, be able to play at the next level because they're going to have to go to a camp at some point, they're going to have to go play in a college offense where it's probably not going to be the wing T or it's not going to be like a, a Georgia Tech offense. They're going to have to have some of these skills to be able to go in and and compete. And I think that's what helps a lot of these, you know, guys that are, that are doing some of the the training on the side, because, you know, let's be honest, all these kids need to have these skills, you know, coach Harper and I coach, you know, offensive line. Well, these kids still need to be able to, to block one-on-one pass protection. They need to be able to take pass sets, even though, well, you know, coach, I don't do this at my high school. Well, you're probably gonna have to do it in college. So it's got to help you a little bit, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. I would say on the, on the, business side of things the nfa side of things. i think that's that's probably one of my uh favorite things to do is you know get a small group of kids and you kind of get to share your your secrets you know like like i mentioned earlier what route side space is how to win it versus you know a loose corner as opposed to a tight corner playing inside leverage you know you, and then you get to see the eyes eyebrows raised because you know you know they know that you know what what they're talking about and then i always have you know uh, a plethora of, of youtube videos you know album on my phone that i can show them you know you see how this guy set this route up and, and that goes for quarterbacks too uh there's a lot of good ones out there to watch uh, uh you know we like watching jared goff because we actually got to meet him at cal and we went to a tony franklin clinic and mm-hmm. uh you know there's all the other good ones so i think that's kind of the magic sauce when i coach kids especially uh through nfa is that uh you know you. You show it, you chart, you diagram it out. Then you watch them do it. and Then you show a, you know, clip of, you know, Tom Brady doing it, or Drew Brees, or, uh, you know, Des Bryant, or something like that. And they, that seems to be what works for me. I don't know what works everywhere else, uh, but I think that's what allows light bulbs to go off, is when you work that kind of sequence with it.
0: Coach, I I gotta imagine that with with run these camps and and the I would assume limited amount of schools around now. Maybe I guess maybe not. I could be completely wrong, but um, you know I would assume that you've you've trained probably uh, you know an opposing quarterback or quarterback from a team that you would play later on that year. How do you kind of mm-hmm. go about that? Because obviously you want to give that kid as much you can, but I would think at least going into it because it's something I've always thought of. Like, man, am I training this kid to to one day beat us or you know (laughs) yeah yeah how do you kind of balance that
2: yeah it's definitely a
3: bittersweet
2: uh you know know, when you're on the losing end of (laughs) when you're on the losing end of things but you know the quarterback that you trained since he was in eighth grade uh you know takes you to the cleaners that yeah that's pretty bittersweet matter of fact that happened this year but uh (laughs) Yeah, I mean I take pride in that and the kids are really cool. They always, you know, the kid came over to me and and shook my hand and said, you know, I don't think I would have been able to hit that third and long on that last drive, you know, if, you know, if you hadn't helped me out, you know, and that's always kind of nice to hear. But when I started doing it, I I actually took a year off of team coaching because I thought it would rub people the wrong way and I loved where I coached West Anchorage High School and I didn't want to put my head coach in a position to where you know, oh, that kid Iverson, you know, he's coaching all these other quarterbacks and, and they're they're think they're talking about transferring over to West. So uh, I did take a year off that, that first year. I, I really dove headfirst into coaching quarterbacks uh, through NFA. And then when I returned, uh, there was still a little bit of a, a fuss about it. Um, so now there's actually rules in place where um, – uh, we have what we call ASA, Alaska sports athletic association, and they actually put a rule in place. So now I can only coach seven of my kids at a time during the off season. And I can only coach other quarterbacks or other receivers from other schools with the coach represented. So.
3: <laughs>
2: it, <laughs> oh
0: my God. But
2: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's tough, but, um, Luckily we've had so much success, you know, that there'll usually be one there or, or at least the dad of the kid. And then, you know, the coach will sign off and, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I want him going there anyway. You know? So, uh, it was rough in the beginning taking that year off. Uh, but I was really, you know, closely working with the quarterback and the head coach at, at West Anchorage. So, uh, I took a year off. I didn't get paid or anything. I wasn't at every practice, but I, you know, I still had the huddle, the huddle login and password. So I was still able to, uh, you know, give suggestions and, and text them. And, you know, I won't be on the coaching roster for the 2015 state championship for me, Alaska, but I'm cool with it. (laughs)
0: So,
1: (laughs) technology oh, yeah. coordinator jj iverson yeah
0: that's right. yeah I don't well, were know, they at least were they at least cool enough consultant. were they at least cool enough to call it the iverson rule <laughs> <laughs> no i wish they oh, that's ridiculous <laughs> yeah and we all know yeah, what's going on that. call it the iverson rule let's go <laughs> yeah but uh
2: yeah it's been smooth sailing ever since and, and there's been a lot of coaches uh you know, either retire or, or move to the lower 48 or just, you know, quit because of they're fed up with it. And so we've had a little bit of new blood and, and I have good relationships with those coaches. So it's, it's been, um, not nearly as, uh, chaotic as you think. Uh, there's a few whispers here and there, but I've never gone to a kid and said, Oh, Hey, you know, over to West high school, we're, we're going to throw the hell out of it, you know? But, uh, it's something that I always make sure I'm, I'm I, I tell the kids right away, like, Hey, this is how we do it. Don't ever tell your coach that, Oh, well, my quarterback coach tells me to do it this way. So I'm, I'm pretty uh, transparent with all those coaches and the dad and the players. And, and I make sure I'm not getting uh, most importantly, my head coach and the program in hot water. So.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's how what I've done about it. And that's super smart. I mean, I think that's what, you know, a, a lot of guys that, that want to bag on guys that, that train and, and do work with guys on the outside, I think, for one, they're not educated about it. And and for two, maybe they've heard a, a story about a bad apple. But I'd tell you right now, most of the guys, you know, and, and guys like you, guys that you can trust and guys that you know, you know, know what they're talking about, they've, they've had a track record of success. To me, I think you'd be stupid to not seek those guys out and tell your kids, like, hey, man if you're passionate about football, you want to play at the next level, you want to be really, really good, you know, because of some of these rules in place where I can't work with you year round, you know what, this is a guy that I trust. This is a guy you're probably getting people that are actually recommending, you know?
3: Yeah. At first I thought I was going (laughs) to,
2: you know, lose all the business that I created from that first year that I took off from team coaching. Uh, But when I came back, I had, you know, I can't even think of one guy that, that left. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had, we had a bunch of guys that, uh, that graduated and I thought, well, you know, they're done. So I don't think there's going to be a pipeline from that school working with me, but sure enough, uh, you know, I think it was word of mouth through the kids, honestly, Hey, you know, you gotta go, you want to throw the ball and, and learn how to be a real quarterback rather than just someone that throws it on third and long. Uh, you need to go talk to coach Ivy and, uh, you know, fortunately the business has, has been sustained and and uh, we're still rocking and rolling up
1: here. I was just to say, one of the other things we noticed with a lot of guys, and we've done a ton of these podcasts now, is a, a lot of guys get into coaching because their dad's coached, all right? And I know your your dad and my dad have been buddies for a long time, but they were more kind of uh, baseball guys. You know, they they played college right. baseball. I think your You know, your dad was a big-time player, played at South Dakota State. But he was also a baseball coach, and and had a really, really, you know, calm, cool, collected style of coaching. You know, what are some things maybe you kind of you kind of took from him? Is is he a guy that you still kind of talk to about you know coaching advice? You know, tell us a little bit about your dad and, and some of the experience you had because your dad's a really cool dude and a good coach.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's gonna. He's gonna love to hear that because <laughs> I don't ever compliment him that much. But uh, I guess for my old man, you know, oh, he he was short on him with me, so I ain't gonna give him that many uh, old yet. So, uh, yeah, I was pretty fortunate. My I came from an athletic uh, family, at least on my dad's side, and um, and you're right, he did have more of a baseball background. Um, but you know, watching him and. and and I guess, you know, he's a civil engineer by trade, so he sees things, you know, kind of black and white, and he's old school to begin with. You know, if you don't do it right, you do it again.
3: You know, yep. that type of attitude.
2: <laughs> uh, where nowadays, especially since, since our offense, we try to run as many plays as possible within a game. You know, if we run it wrong uh, in practice, you know, we line up and run the next play on the script just because we want to get as much different stuff on film as possible uh so we can analyze it later and, and make notes to the kids about uh so i guess in one regard i i really appreciate um what my dad taught me you know you know being the old school guy you know if you don't do it right do it again i like that uh aspect when i'm training kids but when i'm coaching a team I'm, I'm more like I was mentioning earlier. Let's get things done quickly. You know, how fast can we do it? Let's jump around. You know, even the transition should be quick uh, and things like that. Uh, I, think, I think earlier I heard a podcast where one of your coaches was talking about how he – they don't have like a group pre-practice stretch. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. They kind of built it into their practice. So we're, we're kind of the same way. Uh, it's always good to hear – reinforcement like that because that was a total experience. I guess we were just trying to maximize our time, you know. And because uh, anyway, everyone, yeah, I think, I, I, still... now has contact hours and all that stuff. So,
1: what are your guys's contact rules then? We only get sixty minutes a week. What? No way! In the season? <laughs> yeah.
3: Holy so, moly!
2: Yeah, it's 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 rough up here. You know, Alaska's never going to be revolutionary in, in having good ideas pertaining to football.
0: But uh, well, then your yeah, offense got to work be, within those really, I mean, that should really help the the kind of offense that you run. Then I mean, because I would think you could still do a lot of it without pads. Where if you're um, a wing T team, it's going to really hurt them sixty minutes a uh, a week.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they those kids get tired of pounding the sled or whatever. <laughs> They'd rather hit a live body, but uh, and I guess back to the whole with my old man and I. um I think one thing that uh, you know with my coaching style is that you lose a little bit of that you know that fourth and one toughness because of of the parameters they put on us through those rules, and and I that's one thing I try to incorporate from my dad is like, Hey, you know, let's dig in there. You know, you don't got to be the biggest guy. You just got to win the leverage battle and things like that. Because I find myself rather than just, you know, getting tough and what I call playing wad ball, you know, let's let's tighten down everything and just run some dudes over. Um, I find myself scheming and we lose a little bit of that toughness. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's what I'm saying to you, you know? So I always kind of got to rewind the clock, you know, how did we get fourth and ones back in the day? And well, we just lined up and ran them over, you know. <laughs> you know, give it to the guy that's the biggest and the fastest. And uh, I, I feel like we've lost a little bit of that uh, recently on our team, but uh, we're slowly getting it back. We're,
3: we're a little bit
2: more competitive in our, our off-season stuff, and we have more uh, competition-type uh, off-season training involved to to get a little bit of that back.
1: That's honestly, you know, being up at, at Nebraska, it, it's funny to, to listen to, to Frost talk about it because he's like, basically what we've done, we've taken the, the speed and the spread from Oregon and we've mixed it in with the strength and conditioning program from the Old School of Nebraska and then the Nebraska Power. So he was even just talking this week. Uh, they're going live tackling on Tuesdays. I'm sure you saw the article or whatever, but, you know, he, he brought in Coach Osborne. To, to talk to him at, at UCF and he'd kind of ask him for, for a couple of pointers. What do you guys think, you know, we can do in the spring? What do you think we can do in the early fall? And he's like, well, he goes, I, I don't think you guys hit it enough. You know, he's, he's saying, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think you need to, to tackle, tackle more and I think you guys need to, to do that full speed, you know, full speed plays, how, you know, running out of tackles and being able to tackle people. He said, you know, do it on Tuesday, do it on Wednesday, and then you back off. So Frost said that's kind of yeah. one of the things they, they did. And, it, and honestly it's it 's one of the things that 's helped them. I mean you see them in short yardage they have short yardage packages they 're running the quarterback you know they still might be in the shotgun, but they 're running gap games they're running power they They have some of the the versions of the option and they 've been able to kind of meld those two things together and to me that 's kind of like the the perfect storm right You have the fast fun offense that that kids love to play and want to get recruited to, and then along the same lines you're recruiting big physical, strong people. And you're able to get nasty when they when they have to. I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool to listen to him talk about it.
2: Yeah, I think that's uh I mean hit nailed right on the head there. I think uh yeah, I remember I remember when we were growing up, it was you know, Boyd Epley, wasn't that the guy that created Bigger, Faster, Stronger or something? Yeah. That was like the program to to get involved with it. He wanted you were an undersized kid like me and you wanted to get bigger and stronger. But uh yeah, and here's one thing that, that we did one time. When we felt like our practices were, you know, midway through the season, weather gets cold, you know, we were losing a little bit of that edge and that toughness. So we uh, we probably stole it from somewhere. We're all good copycat coaches, right? But they Amen. had this thing, and we renamed it. I mean, we didn't even stretch or anything. The kids were playing catch and setting up the bags I mean, all right, four play, and I'm like, "What's four play?" And of course, some kids made some stupid jokes, right? But we just lined up uh, our 11 best offensive guys and our 11 best defensive guys, and he's like, "All right, the best. We're we're running four plays against you guys, and uh, we're gonna see you get the first down." And then, you know, conditioning, of course, was the punishment. But that practice after those four plays were done, I mean, it was it was awesome. You know, to start something that. Physical and that fast to kick off your practice. And then our kids were asking, you know, because we forgot how good it was because we had a big game coming up. They're like, when are we doing foreplay this week, coach? <laughs> and, you know, we started incorporating that in. And, uh, you know, sure enough, we, you know, I can't tell you, you know, chart wise, you know, did we run the ball better the next three weeks or whatever. But we, we definitely had more spirited practices, which is, you know, a coach's dream, right? They go quicker, you get a lot more done. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have to bring that back. I'm glad you guys brought that up.
1: (laughs) Hawk, you better be writing that down. You better be writing that down right there. And it's going to be football related, nothing else related, okay?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. These kids can, you know, give an inch, they'll take a mile with any Indiando they can think of. (laughs)
0: That's exactly exactly right. More than kids, there's a lot of the coaches, too. Yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta
1: watch what you say. <laughs> I was to say, Well, that that was one of the other things I loved about uh, JJ, and I call him Hawk because it was Jay Hawk. So he, even in my phone, it's always Hawk for me, and on all my buddies at <laughs> Lincoln that know him, they they all call him Hawk. I thought maybe he was a
0: wrestling fan. <laughs> <laughs> he might be. Hawk I know, but he might Hawk be an animal. I thought Madge didn't know.
1: <laughs> anyway, Hawk, yeah, I can't Hawk was always. How I got that name. It was, always, it was J, JJ, so I just called you Jayhawk, and I just shorted it to Hawk. But uh, yeah, you, you were always quick with, with the comebacks and quick with the, with the tongue. So I, I always, I always yeah. thought you had, and especially like with, with some of the, the girls and some of the guys that try to, to, to rag on you a little bit, it was usually a pretty short-lived argument because you usually always had a pretty good comeback for some of those guys. What, what were some of your go-to comebacks?
2: Oh, man, it, it's hard to use them these days because, you know, these kids, they, they haven't seen some of the movies that, that we grew up on, you know? Like, you and I are huge Point Break fans, right? And, yeah. and and they don't understand who Johnny Utah is or what Give Me Two means or anything like that. So, it, it's uh, tough these days, but I, I usually I know something a little bit personal about them, and, and I can, you know, they start to rag on me. Oh, Coach Ivers, you know, 38 and single, you can't find a girl, and I'm like, I'm mean, I'm sorry. Did, did what's her face just just uh, light you up and and not accept your prom request at the homecoming game?
3: <laughs> you know?
2: So I usually dig in personally. They usually stop talking then. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, being being quick with uh, with comebacks, uh, I think allows you to eliminate the the BS and, and get back to work. So I'm glad I got that trait and that you recognize it was. <laughs>
1: I was on the receiving end of a lot of them. We used to have some pretty good verbal spars, but it always just made me laugh. Some of the things you'd say to some of these guys and they'd kind of look at you like, did he really just say that to me? Yeah.
2: Like, like sometimes I actually use a lot of my dad's ones. Like, you know, golly, you know, it's, it's hotter than a bottle rocket on the 4th of July. You know, something stupid like that. And the kids end up liking it. And next thing you know, I see it on their Twitter and, you know, things like that. So, that's kind of fun, you know. Or, man, he runs like a spooked deer. And, you know, next day the kid's wearing a Halloween deer mask
0: running around the field uh-huh. with his shirt off. So, yeah, I still have fun out there. Coach, yeah. with, with the – uh I was kind of curious, um and I don't know much about past games, so I could be completely off. But um I've always kind of <laughs> thought, you know, obviously with, with NFA, with, with they've got – the footwork that lines up with the the route combinations and all that and then i've mm-hmm. always thought with with the spread uh franklin was more um you know not as big into some of the footwork stuff so now that could be completely wrong just tell me that's wrong but if that is true how how did you kind of morph those into one offense uh i mean it's
2: tough uh you know tony franklin you know i've been to several of his clinics in a variety of places around the country. And, and he's not real huge on, you know, quarterback coaches uh, being involved with, with a kid who has a quarterback coach on a team. Uh, matter of fact, he, he's, you know, I didn't even want to tell him that I was an NFA guy. For fear of what he'd say or, you know, him cutting me out of all the, the film he gives to us. But, uh, so we kind of, I guess that's where, you know, we, we totally believe in the whole NFA footwork thing. I think with Tony, what he does, he honestly, he's in the gun every play, uh, unless he's trying to, you know, punch it in from the goal line. But he basically just takes, his guys just basically take a three step drop and they just, he calls it typewriter feet. You know, like Peyton Manning has the right. his typewriter feet and he really has a ton of film uh, where he shows us, you know, why he thinks that's the best. And, you know, we probably have differing philosophies on that, but, uh, I think the ball comes out maybe a nanosecond quicker, maybe a nanosecond slower. Uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but, but we've pretty much adopted the whole, you know, on the last step of your drop, you're throwing a rhythm route. Uh, on the last step of your drop, if you're looking backside to like a uh, a seam dig concept, I think you guys call it like Seahawk at Jenks, right? Walls yep. or something like that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Then you're,
2: then you're going to hitch up and get your eyes over and, and let it rip if it's there, you know? And see, uh, I would say the NFA thing is what we've gravitated toward, uh, but that's not to say, you know, what Tony Franklin does or what any else does is, is, isn't going to work
1: either. Yeah, I think again, it's it's kind of just personal preference, you know, how you grew up, and then can you get the kids to believe in it? You know, the 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 thing I loved about NFA and it completely changed, you know, r four completely changed the way that I thought about the past game because I'd learned, you know, kind of kind of strictly west coast things Here, here's how you read reading alert routes here's how you read reading progressions things like that I still incorporate a lot of that but but being able to time things up being able to to flip feet and just some of the the fundamentals of throwing and and timing the feet it, it just made a lot more sense to me and I thought you know I could overlay those principles on any pass play so I wouldn't have to sit there and teach okay right. here's here's the pass progression on this play Here's the pass progression on this play. Here's the progression on this play. You're able to time it up with, okay, it's a rhythm throw. Okay, it's a read throw. Okay, this, this is a rush throw. It can be thrown at any time in the timeline. It could be a hot. It could be a late check down. And I think once kids could, could learn those large picture concepts, they were able to speed up their learning on any other new play that I gave them. So I think he, he always called it kind of that operating system. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of these, uh, these other systems that you, you get, or the systems that you you buy and learn, it's kind of more play-driven and not really rule-driven.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why you call them accelerators, right? It, it allows you to think quicker. And, you know, if you can tie that into your physical movements, uh, boy, you're, you're sitting on rocket fuel there.
1: I so, agree. And, and Coach yeah. – Coach Harper done a lot of the same stuff in the, in the run game, too, you know, making things rule-driven, uh, simplifying our language, and, and speeding up calls for kids. And I thought, you know, that, that year we were together in 2015, we had taken it, I think, to a, a whole other level as far as, as how we operated up front. And then being able to tie that in with what we were able to do in the pass game through R4, you know, to me, it was a, a pretty deadly combination. And I thought it made it really, really fun and easy to coach.
2: Right, yeah. I mean, I can't say enough about what it's done for us. You know, I feel like every time we win a big game, I ought to send Doug Maddox a check or something like that. But, uh, it's you've, you've,
1: you've, you've probably already sent them plenty.
2: <laughs> I definitely promote the hell out of it for them <laughs> up here anyway. I don't have much competition either, so I don't want to give myself too much credit.
1: <laughs> Come on now, Hawk. But,
3: yeah,
2: I mean, I don't know. I think we don't have anything other else to do. <laughs> I'm not a Fortnite guy or anything like that. It's all pretty much football and my job and uh you know watching March Madness and, and things like that, you know, Masters or whatever it
1: may be. Well also, I was gonna ask you, you know, what what's some of the stuff you guys do get to do maybe in the summer? You know, as far as you know, being outdoors, what what are some of the the fun things you get to do up there in Alaska that a bunch of us down here in the lower 48 don't get to do.
2: Yeah, I guess that's one thing that I didn't anticipate being a drawback was that our off season, you know, it's dark up here a lot. (laughs) So when the sun's out, you know, it's hard to convince a kid who's been fishing his whole life or, you know, hunting moose in the fall or, you know, going out to their cabins in the middle of nowhere to enjoy nature or, or hike or, ski or whatever, it was tough to convince these kids that, you know, if you're not preparing in the offseason, you know, you might as well uh, kiss the idea of of being a playoff team. And and doing it together, I think, is the most important, right, is building that culture, that chemistry. And uh, so I didn't anticipate when I first got up here. You know, I thought they were, oh, yeah, we love football coach. We're ready to do whatever. But I can't do it in June because I'm going – and going fishing all month. <laughs> I'm going, I'm putting crab pots in on this weekend or something like that. So uh, it, it kind of weeded out those guys and it made them realize, uh, you know, hey, if, if you're going to be a part of something that you want to be special, you got you to act like it's special and attend all the weight trainings and the film sessions and uh, all those things. So uh, it, it's tough. But I guess for me personally, I love whitewater kayaking. You know, I just got into skiing. Uh, I canceled a ski trip because of this call. Thanks, guys. <laughs> You're Season's welcome. almost over, and uh, <laughs> you know, I'll talk ball with you guys any day. It's fun, but uh, yeah, the outdoor activities up here are are pretty much endless. You know, especially if you got a plane or a boat, uh, and so we kind of got to fight that with the kids because you know some of them have dads that you know their dads took into this cabin you know during the month of October, so. Uh, but it, it's been uh, an uphill battle, but I think we're, we've convinced these kids that, um, you know, if you love football, you know, there's certain, there's certain dominoes we got to knock down in order to get to the championship. So.
1: so weren't you doing, like, some whitewater rafting for a little while or uh, some, some guide services and things like that, or working for a guide service, I thought you told me at one point?
2: Yeah, so when I first got up here and was teaching uh, or subbing and, and then before I got my full-time job, uh, you know, the summers were off, so I just went to a job fair, and a guy was was starting this company called uh, Matanuska Madwater. And uh, I told him I didn't have any guy experience. I've been down the Niagara <laughs> in a canoe with the Boy Scouts a couple times, but uh, it was during the winter months, and he was building a cabin, so I have some corporate skills. I went down there, uh, helped him with his cabin. He realized I was a typical hardworking Midwesterner he's like, well, you know, we'll get you on the boat a few times and see what you got. And I banged every rock on that river, you know, you could think of. And eventually, you know, you do it enough times, you get good at it, right? That's my old man talking. And, you know, didn't do it right, do it again. And um, I was guiding people by the 4th of July, and it was, a fun, it was the best side job I ever had. So, uh, And that's also one of the kind of cool things I get to do with my quarterbacks for West is, uh, you know, I usually take them on a trip. Uh, before they head off to college or the military or or whatever it is they plan on doing post high school so it's been a cool way to like kind of have that one final bonding uh, trip with with the guy that you know made you look good for however many years he pulled the trigger for you
1: Harper you ever been in a kayak before?
0: I have not I've been in a uh, a tube I've been in a tube (laughs) down the river (laughs) No, I've been oh, down, man, uh, gotta... I've been in Colorado down one of those rivers, but it wasn't in a kayak. It was in uh, one of the bigger rafts. The rafts. Yeah. Well, when you guys uh, make your first million on RTP,
2: uh, nah, come fucks. up here and I'll, I'll show you how to do it. <laughs> we'll buy, we'll <laughs> buy one
1: hookups. We'll buy a little Cessna and we'll be able to fly all over uh, Alaska. We'll we'll go oh, get yeah. our go get our kayak and raft on.
0: Us and us and Joe Rogan will go there and we'll we'll hunt some uh, hunt some shoot, what moose shoot some moose shoot some elk shoot some bear
2: yeah yeah muskox too don't forget that <laughs> they got those up here I don't know if those ox. were only in Star Wars so they're <laughs> they're up here what's
1: what the a, heck's a, what's yeah, a yeah, what the heck's a muskox
2: oh god it's like a <laughs> really really bushy oversized ram with the big horns that curl up in front and slow moving i mean they just look like walking unkept rugs you know that you'd find <laughs> in a college dorm or something like that what What do they and taste the like horns. have you ever had
1: Have you ever had them before oh yeah the muskox
2: yeah it's pretty good i mean <laughs> every uh if meat locker in town that process it has uh you know a different recipe but uh, my buddy that gives me his, he, you know, he puts like 10% bacon mixed in there, which that only is going to enhance the taste. So,
3: that's yeah. Right. uh,
2: yeah, I don't have any, there's no Oscar Mayer wieners in my phrase. I'll tell you that. It's all, <laughs> it's all stuff that's been harvested up here, which, you know, you live here long enough, you're going to run into those people and you, you kind of trade. So what I used to do is I'd trade walleye for, for deer meat from South, or I'd trade halibut for, you know, deer meat from South Dakota. Cause that's still, um. Uh, that still tastes pretty good to me.
1: I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I think you need to send uh, Harper some muskox, and he can smoke it up for us. So you could have, like, Oklahoma yeah. Oklahoma
0: barbecue-style muskox. What do you think, Harp? Sounds good. You do that, <laughs> and I'll send you some burger. and I think we'll be, we'll be even.
3: <laughs> yeah, that sounds fair. That sounds good
0: to me. I'll do that.
3: Well,
0: I, I got to know before we get off, I got to know if there's any good – uh, wall stories from high school. Because I just know, oh, I just man. know old. I just know old. Uh, no fun walls. I'd like to know the the high school walls with hair. I
3: oh,
0: I, <laughs> I used to always remember the the uh, the snowball fights we used to have
1: when we drive around in the back of guys' trucks. We'd have the ice balls yeah. and go throw those all the time. They used to get pretty crazy.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, those were. <laughs> yeah we probably could have got in trouble luckily we were fast back then you know, we could, we could get away but uh golly there's there's a couple of them i'm trying to keep you know some of them might be a little x-rated you know I don't. Know. <laughs> I'm
3: yeah kidding. come on now i'm, I'm married uh, now come on
2: i know i know no it was just honestly it was good clean fun i mean going up to south dakota uh, and then moving on to Nebraska, and even when he was coaching at Augustine and I was at the University
3: of Wells, uh
2: I mean, we were pretty pretty simple dudes, you know. We loved talking ball. If we weren't talking it, we were playing it on the video games or, you know, we were having fantasy drafts or trading cards when we were really little or
3: something like that. Uh,
2: when Wall's out here, my clock don't rewind that
3: far back. I don't, know, I don't
2: know if I got any. I do remember one of the most fun times we had was it was after a high school basketball game we had upset some team and uh, one of Walls' good buddies, Dave Forney, dunked in a game, which was a huge deal. And we instantly got the VHS tape, went to Walls' house and, and watched it and replay probably a hundred times. Because <laughs> it was a big win and a couple of friends of ours came over and, and that's probably the mo- probably not the most epic moment. Uh, but uh, I do remember that pretty vividly.
1: Yeah, we we got some pretty good stories that we can't tell because I think my parents still listen to it. So I'll, I'll still keep some of those, <laughs> some of those stories and get togethers we may, may or may not have had at the uh, walls residence. <laughs> we'll keep that under wraps. Um, yeah. I always, the the funny thing I always remember about JJ Harp, uh, you, I bring up snowballs because it just seemed like JJ always had an uncanny ability to to hit people with snowballs. So mm-hmm. I remember one night we were downtown in uh <laughs> In Lincoln, Nebraska. So we both went to Nebraska together, too. So, you know, big, big Husker fans. And it just snowed. We're coming out of a fine drinking establishment. You know, we were being good boys, maybe.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but we came outside, and J.J. picks up a snowball. And, of course, you know, all the cars are down there. People are picking people up. It's just chaos down on O Street. And, and J.J., launches one at this car and of course the guy's got the window down it goes right in the window and just poosh, you know snowball explodes all over all over this guy and the guy the guy hops out of the back seat and he's going to come over you know try to talk mess well it's so icy outside he opens up the car door and he gets out to take a run at us he falls down and then jj just starts pelting him pelting him with snowballs yeah (laughs)
3: yeah
1: the guy had to take the l on that one
2: yeah, I don't know. I got yeah, yeah. I don't know what it was, but when I when I feel like the the the, the life of the party needed to be enhanced, I just stirred up a snowball and and, and hit something right between the eyes. That's what I did. I guess
1: <laughs> he could, man. Yeah,
0: it, it hurts nowadays if I don't loosen up. Right, boy, it things. Yeah, you gotta warm so. before you start throwing throwing
2: snowballs. Yeah, I gotta do my. My ignition drills, you know, I gotta remember. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so down in Oklahoma, uh, Coach Harper, you're at Broken Arrow, right?
0: Yep, here at Broken Arrow, it's where I went to high school and now coaching there. Oh, okay, so
2: it's that's where you've been the whole time. You didn't go and uh, play college or coaching college or anything like that. I was just trying to get your background, that's all.
0: Yeah, so um, I played at Broken Arrow. Then I went to uh, University of Houston and played, played there for oh, okay. um, four years. And then uh, right out of college, Coach Alexander, the head coach at Broken Arrow, called me up because I played for some uh, some like select teams when I was in fourth and fifth grade at the end of our seasons. And I'd actually played with him because my dad knew him because they both went to uh, Tulsa. So he called me up and then uh came to Broken Arrow and this'll be my fourth season now out of college and they'll have all been here at Broken Arrow. And so the Oh
2: first- right, on. yeah.
0: And then now uh with a guy, Coach Wilkinson, as the offense coordinator.
3: All right, cool.
2: Yeah, I saw I mean I see pictures of you guys' weight room in your field and it looks like a pretty cool place to coach.
0: So it's it's really right on, cool. We had a, had an indoor at Broken Arrow before we did at Houston. I mean, I guess technically they had one at Houston, but it was it was still the old the old uh, AstroTurf at Houston oh, yeah. So we couldn't even do anything. They said the first year they got that in there. I think they had like it was someone's first year. Someone's first year they had like six ACL tears. On the uh, on the indoor astroturf, yeah. so they wouldn't use it anymore after that. I remember, yeah, and yeah. I can't believe that people played on it like regularly. I remember us doing workouts and guys tripping and falling or doing stuff and having those rug burns for like two months straight, and it never going Oh on. yeah, I can't believe that was a thing that people and in the Houston area there were still a few high schools that were using astroturf right around my freshman year in college. So, um, you know, they were they were not quick to give it away
2: yeah i remember at university of south dakota they had that in the dakota dome and and we played an away game against nebraska wesley one year and i remember getting a burner on my forearm and <clears throat> going into the shower after the game boy that thing about jumped off the <laughs> tile and it burned so bad you know
0: yeah that's not what you well then when I was at Houston we had grass so it wasn't it was obviously still super hot outside but at least we were on grass and then my junior and senior year we got turf and it made it really hot.
2: Yeah well that's cool I mean everything up here is, is turf which which has happened in the last couple of years so we're not too far behind the eight ball up here in Alaska but but training you know during the winter months is, is virtually impossible because other uh, team sports are, you know, utilizing the gyms or you got youth soccer at the few golf domes we have up here. So, uh, I'd pay for a, I, I've, I've trained in airplane hangers. I've trained in buildings that, that are just Tyvek on the side that haven't quite been finished on the interior. So any place I can get some, some decent ground, whether it be, flat concrete and tarmac or whatever, I'm, I'm going to go there. So, get yourself lucky down there,
0: really. Yeah, we will. What what time zone are you guys in? Because I found out that the craziest fact in the world um, last week that I didn't know. Arizona is in mountain time, but they don't believe in daylight saving, so they just get to say whatever time they want it to be is what time it is in Arizona.
2: Whoa. Yeah.
3: I'd, yeah. I'd like to –
2: Operate under that system, but right now it's uh it's seven fifteen, so I think you guys are probably three hours beyond me. Right, ten fifteen. Yeah, almost bedtime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah,
3: definitely, but, uh, it's, it's We're definitely still
2: definitely still sunny up here, so uh we got that going for us. So it, it's pretty fun. I can train almost till eleven thirty at night in the month of June because there's, wow, there's just enough of it. Yeah, so I don't need to even – and when I played adult league baseball, they'd have what they call the midnight sun game, which is on June 21st, and, and the game starts at midnight, and you don't even have to turn on the lights, and they can play nine innings. So,
0: do, Does the training kind of cool. and, and uh, some of the games, do they start morphing around it being later and later in the day and still having sunlight, or does it still go, hey, everyone goes to bed at, at 10 o'clock, even though it's, it's still light outside?
2: Uh, yeah. So there's ways to kind of cheat that. Uh, I know it was tough for me to adjust to. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's things that people do. They they put burlap on their windows or or plastic black garbage bags. Uh, that's probably the most common one. (laughs) Um, but what I do is I just, I basically just wear my battery until it, wear my battery out. And then I just go to sleep and set the alarm. Uh, but you definitely during the winter time in the dark months, you you gotta have, you know, something like I got into CrossFit recently, uh, just to, you know, force myself to sleep after work. Uh, cause I'm sure you're like me, you know, you don't want to watch too much film or your, your eyes go bad. And uh, this year, I don't know if you guys have ever had this happen, but I fell asleep on my couch with the laptop and I almost had third degree burns on my
3: thighs. I was you know, this oh my, my gosh. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so I had to invest in one of those like, pillows that, that snap onto the bottom of your computer, so, uh, you know, that wouldn't happen again. But <laughs> 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 too much huddle, you know, it's dangerous. <laughs>
0: that's, that's right. You, you need to get uh, Walls set up. He's got a big, like, 80-inch TV that he's got his HDMI cord on, so now he's really watching film. Yeah,
2: Walls always has is on the cutting edge, all that stuff, you know. Probably virtual reality, too, and all that going on, huh?
1: Uh, no virtual reality. I can't stand that stuff. <laughs> I got, we, we actually have one of those things, but my, my niece has always wanted to use it. It's just, I don't I just think it's garbage. It hurts your eye. hurts yeah. your eyes. Your phone, your phone gets all hot. It drains your battery. I just, I don't know. I thought it was garbage, but you yeah. know, Hey, one thing we've been doing up
2: here is we use the, um, the Madden. I don't know. My coach is more adept at it than me, but
1: we use that to help train our quarterbacks' eyes. You See, know, now that's, I don't know. If, that's dude that, that's Coach Harper right there. That's how Coach Harper learned the pass game.
0: That's how I learned. Yeah, that's how yeah. I learned. Uh, Patriot and Seahawk and all that stuff. Dolphin, Dolphin. Oh, yeah. All of it was from uh from from Madden. So Walls would, would be teaching me in the offseason and then I'd go home and was playing a lot of Madden. I still had some time on my hands before doing all this stuff. And so I'd go home and I'd find plays that were really similar to say Charger, but maybe one route was off. And so I would audible, I'd hot route that guy and I'd go through a lot of games with with a good quarterback but learn kind of who you end up reading and and get used to kind of different timings and different stuff like that and then I'd see you know honestly you'd see other other uh, certain teams that you play that linebackers would do certain things and I'd start thinking okay all I gotta do is re- be able to to look kind of towards this linebacker and then all of a sudden I play another team and they'd pick it off with someone else <laughs> doing something else and I'm like oh okay so I need to also be checking that but that's how I kind of learned all, all of uh, the past game that Walls taught me was through Madden.
2: Yeah. Yeah, if you, yeah, if you can tap into that and get good at it and, and transfer that to your kids, boy, you, you're doing the right thing. You're staying on the edge of it. So, good for you, man. Good for you.
1: I just think, again, man, it, you know, I don't care what kind of football they're thinking about. If kids are th- thinking about football, and that's what sucks. I mean, now they don't have the NCAA game anymore. I used to love playing that game. But I, mean, I just think anything you could do to keep these kids engaged with, with football and, and not, you know, getting all lovey-dovey and sending things they shouldn't be sending on Snapchat, I think they're they're going to be ahead of the ball game, especially if you're trying to to change a culture and build a program.
2: Yeah, you're right, man. I mean, it's getting easier to find those leaders now because you know all you got to do is find that real passionate kid. You know, the, the kid that's you know got fat head on his wall and always talking about his latest conquest on madden or whatever you know it's it, it's usually that kid that's gonna you know be at the forefront of, of of your leadership talks and getting people to to follow on the right path
3: so
0: well no doubt well coach we're kind of coming up on our our last few minutes so i'll kind of ask you what i ask every coach yeah. to the, the podcast um Right. If you're watching an offensive line, and, and what would they be doing that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach?
3: Oh boy, let's see here.: I guess just uh, you know, kind
2: of what I mentioned earlier about how I, I feel like maybe a little bit uh, recently with our guys, we, we just lost a little bit of toughness because we're, we're, we're helping them too much with the scheme. So if I see a coach that goes out there every day and, and, and just kind of works the fundamentals and and gets uh, all the movements uh, being able to be understood by the player, you know, and, and how to swing your hips and get, get your butt between the ball carrier and the defender. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's uh, anyone out there that does it perfectly, but you know, I, I think, you know, you always just kind of go back to the fundamentals and, and I'm not an O-line guy. I think if I had to be an O-lineman growing up, I probably wouldn't have played football. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I think the best ones that we've gone up against, it seems, you know, those, some of those really good wing T teams, uh, you know, they just have convinced their kids to do the same thing over and over and get really, really good at a handful of things and then maybe window-press it with some motion or formation. Um, you know, th- those are the teams that we've had the tough the toughest time against. I mean, golly, I don't know how many times the team we lost the state championship ran trap. I mean, there, there's nothing really fancy about trap, right? But They just, they just found a way to, you know, move the chains a little bit better than we did. So I would say go back to fundamentals and, and, and get your kids really believing in that, that idea of unity within the old line and, and, and doing a few things really well and, and being creative with, with, like I said, motion and, and, uh, maybe some shifts and, and formation, and, uh, be tough to stop, especially when the, when the scores get tight.
0: <laughs> That's right. No doubt.
1: Well, Hawk, man, it's been awesome catching up with you. Look forward to, uh, to hopefully seeing you sometime soon, man. It's been way too long. I know we get to, to talk yeah. every now and again, but you, you being up in the uh, Northwest corner of the country makes it a little bit difficult for us to, to kind of get together and, and see it, especially with the uh, the seasons kind of overlapping in the fall and you guys start so dang early in the summer so hopefully we can find yeah. some time maybe in June man something like that
2: yeah yeah keep uh, stay in touch and one quick question for both of you have you guys gotten rtp tattoos yet <laughs> not yet
0: i have not, not gotten yet.
1: the i have not gotten the rtp tattoo uh, it's, it's probably, it's probably gonna have to wait. Maybe if we hit like a, a certain level, maybe I'll do it.
0: I think I'm gonna have to get it on All my right. neck. You could do a neck Ooh. one. I think if you're going to get a neck tattoo, you might as well go RTP on, on the neck.
3: <laughs> well, uh, as
2: long as I get photographic evidence of it, I totally respect you even more. You know, I'll probably be even a little more, a little more intimidated too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this guy really likes to run the power. <laughs> I hope I think, the OC doesn't decide uh he doesn't like it
1: <laughs> well that's what i was gonna say i mean all of a sudden now you get an rtp tat and then all of a sudden you have an oc that's like yeah we're not gonna run power <laughs>
2: <laughs> what well like you said you can change the p to post or, or anything right so it's yeah. uh it's kind of it's limitless whatever your imagination come up with so. rt
1: R- you
0: can just quit
1: yeah you can just go find a new program yeah
0: i think i gotta go <laughs> somewhere else <laughs>